Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I am your host, Lisa Woolfork, and I am excited today because I am talking with the queen embroideress, embroideress, um, the head embroideress in charge, um, Destiny Brewer of a house called Hue, which is a custom embroidery company. Destiny, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Can you hear me well? I want to make sure. You sound great. You okay. look great. Um, and if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get to see um, the embroideress herself sitting right here looking quite wonderful. Uh, and we are going to jump in and talk about what does it mean to have an embroidery business? I was seeing earlier, now this, and she's based in Atlanta. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to her amazing website. It's just so beautiful. But you started as an apparel company or an, an Afro apparel company in 2016. What was that like and what precipitated a change? Um, well, that was good. That was my first business. So that's how I actually got into making um, things for money. I usually make things, but not for money. But making things for money. I so I started with actually head wraps. So I started off sewing. So I was sewing head wraps and then making little jewelry, little bespoke things, and then got into t-shirts with screen printing. And then I went into embroidery because I wanted to add something to the business that was not a lot of money, so you know, buy low, sell high, or have a, a good profit return. And I stumbled across embroidery because enamel pin wearers usually wear patches. So I usually was like, when I got to enamel pins, I usually see enamel pin buyer have patches. So I was like, oh, I'm looking for that, but ordering overseas was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was it was not the easiest process as well. So when I got my first sample, I was like, oh, I can do this. I love it. I, I'm telling you, I feel like Black women are the original DIYers, right? We oh, are yes. the original do it ourselves, right? Yeah. I love what I appreciate about this story is that you started so you so you started sewing on a single needle machine. You were making head wraps and then making bespoke items just one at a time. What was your process in doing that? Did you enjoy that part? Did that did you like that part of the sewing life? Um, or did you feel like, well, I think I could probably get more bang for my buck, you know, because you weren't says so did you describe your earlier sewing as stuff you were doing for a profit or just for family? Or did you start small and then go bigger? How does your sewing story begin? So I I guess I went in head first because I did go straight for profit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I made a I made a couple of things for myself. So when I started posting them, then I said, like, Oh, I can make this like a actual legit business and I really was not fluid in sewing. I was just learning as I was going so I had like a little practice sheet of scrap fabric. So I would practice with the zigzag stitch or my straight stitch wasn't the straightish. But <laughs> my straight that's what ish. I was straight ish. <laughs> straight ish. 
So that's why I just started making everything zigzag. Because I'm like, I can't mess this up as much as I can mess up the straight stitch. But um, I did, I just learned because I actually got into more making things with my grandmother uh, who passed, but she showed me how to crochet and she was a knitter. So it was like, you know, progressive things of like, she knew how to make clothes, but I always say that's the the generational break. Like mm-hmm. our grandparents, like my grandparents, my great grandparents, they had to know how to make things because it was not readily available to them to yes. just go buy. Yes. So I, that's something I'm seeing even just now, a lot of us are learning how to make things because we don't want to wait for it. And all those are available to buy, everything is crop tops and stuff. And I ain't got time to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wearing a crop top for everything. Like, I'll I, I make myself a whole shirt. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I'd rather just make me a shirt. <laughs> oh, I I really, really love that. And I think I think what excites me most is the fact that you you were sitting down at a sewing machine. You were working on one garment at a time. And then you decided, you know what, I think I want to enhance this and go in a different direction. How do you go from one single needle embroidery machine to what you have now? What was your first embroidery machine like? What was your first when you you got the sample back from overseas and you looked at this patch and you're like, oof, I could do this, I think. And then you like, you just say, okay, let's go see what we can do. So do you just go buy like um, that brother PE 400 with a teeny tiny hoop that everybody, not everybody, that many people start with <laughs> a good intro machine? How did you say, you know what? I want to invest in this and it requires me investing in myself. What was the, what was your process there with getting that very first machine and saying, okay, I'm gonna let this thing sew itself now. <laughs> so I did, I got the P, I, I think it was the PE 625. And then I, went, I actually went through like three brother machines because every time I wanted to do something bigger, the, you know, the four by four can only do so much. Yeah. So I had to go to the five by seven and I went, I think the biggest one was like an eight by, I don't even think it was eight by 10. I think it was the five by seven. I think that was yes. the biggest one I ended up going to. And um, it was just learning the, I guess more learning the technical side of the machine. That was the biggest part of the journey because although people think it's a plug and play, it's really not. It's more of a like, I plug it in, I put this in, but if something goes wrong, how can I rectify the yeah and most people struggle with the fixing part not the design part right no i think that's an excellent point for those people destiny who don't who are not familiar with embroidery machines they might be familiar with sewing machines can you explain a bit about when 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 you and i are talking about a four by four or five by seven etc explain to them about hoop sizes and how a single needle embroidery machine is set up so a single needle embroidery machine is set up with a what what's the best way to say it like a flat surface to embroider on. So in in comparison to a multi needle, it's a forward facing. So you put the hoop in forward, like straight ahead of you. On a flat single needle, it's placed downward. So you have to clip it down. So that kind of limits your ability to do certain. We're not saying limit. It's harder to do certain things like t-shirts and. Um, baby garments because you have to hoop it flat rather than me just loading it and avoiding making the mistakes of stitching things together. So <laughs> when you have a four by four or like a five by seven, it's the 
size of the design. So four inches by four inches or five inches by seven inches. I usually tell people think about it as printer paper. That's an eight by 11. Yes. So just give you a kind of a scale on how big something can go. Yes. Um, single needles are great to start off with, or even I know people who are doing great with just doing single needles because they've learned and perfected that. I quickly removed myself as far as I could because I hated changing the thread color. That's the yeah. worst part. Oh my goodness. So y'all, so what she, I love this, Destiny. I love the comparison to um, paper because a four by four is a great place to start. That's not where I started. I knew right away. I was think I thought about it as like uh, my advice someone gave me when I bought a computer. When you buy mm-hmm. a computer, buy more computer than you think you're going to need. Go ahead and get the one, the the half terabyte, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, because it's you're going to use it and run and you know, soon you will outstrip the needs of it. And a four by four, y'all, allows you to do a design that's about the size of an index card, and not a three yeah. by five index card, a three by three. Right. Because even though you have a hoop size that's four by four, um, there's a design size limit, you know, mm-hmm. within that. So you can't stitch to the edge of your hoop because um, the way that the single needle embroidery is set up, it has an arm and you slide your hoop into the arm and the arm moves front, back and left and right. Um, your needle doesn't move at all. And it, it really can be so frustrating. And every time I was trying to put something in like a a baby onesie or whatever, trying to get it in there. I was like, I felt like I had to keep my eye on it the whole time. So it didn't hit a snap or it didn't, you know, it's just so much, at least for me, I found it. Yeah. I, I had so much, that gave me so much worry and headache. I was just like, no, no. I, I You'll see a lot of clips on people's things, like they're clipping things in different parts, trying to keep it from sliding under so you don't yes. pitch or falling forward so it doesn't stitch and that's when I knew it was time for me to move to a, a multi a multi-needle machine just so I could get away from the I applaud anyone who is working actively on a single needle and motor machine and doing great designs because I had zero patience for that. Do I was you like, remember mm-hmm. a particular moment when you were like, you know what? Forget it. This four by four is not where it's at. Was there a particular moment or a particular design or a particular disaster or whatever that you were like, okay, I deserve better than this? Well, I had a patch that I was making this when I was first starting patches and the design had like seven colors, but they were all in different spots. So it was like, I only needed to change the thread for maybe a hundred stitches, which is relatively not a lot. Right. But then I had to go back to that color right after I changed this color. So I'm constantly like a patch on the machine I have now. That would took maybe 20 minutes from beginning to end. Took me about an hour because I had to keep rethreading and keep. Re- and I was like, oh my gosh. So I, that's when my research was like, what other machine can I get? Exactly. <laughs> Just, oh my gosh. I could imagine it looking like a checkerboard. Y'all imagine like a black and red checkerboard, but every, you can't stitch out all the black at once or all the red. It's saying, do this red one. Now do this black one. Now do this red one. Now do <laughs> yes. this black one. And then you're like, you know what? I don't like sewing anymore. So nope. no, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> oh, no. that's so that's so cool. Because I think that you're right. There is this assumption. I think as sewing machines and embroidery machines have gotten better. 
the technology mm-hmm. has improved. They're able to do more things. People just think, oh, I'm going to buy this embroidery machine. And then, I mean, I know some folks, they do it with the um, the silhouette cameo and the cricket too. Yes. They will buy one, still have the receipt in their hands. And then with their other hand, they're on Facebook saying, I sell patches, y'all. Come over here and get t-shirts from me. And I'm like, but, you're, but sis, your, your, your machine is still in the box. How are you? Well, I'm going to go to YouTube University. And I'm going to watch all these videos because it's clearly easy because the machine does all the work. And then you sit down and you put some fabric in there and you're like, wait a minute, how come How mm-hmm. come this, this needle keeps breaking? Or what's all this thread nesting underneath? And what's all this? So yes. it's a lot more, I think, than people realize. Is that something that you found as you have transitioned your business from you know what it started as in 2016 to what it has become now? Um, that what you have now is just so much bigger and so much more beautiful and expansive. It's really quite lovely, Destiny. You've done a wonderful job. I hope that you um, take some time to pause and celebrate that. But what are some of the things that you have um, been really excited about as you were able to get away from the one small home machine to more, you know, to more, uh, to larger or more complex machines? Um, excited about the the possibility. So even the machines I have now, I'm still limited. Like, and it's funny you said about getting more machines than you need because I, when I first started, I had the mindset of like, oh, I'm just gonna get what I know I can work with now. And I, I literally outgrew that machine six months after I bought it. But I, I, but I just I turned down designs and I turned down clients because of what they wanted and I couldn't do on the machine. And then I turned around and bought it twice again. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, okay, I needed to increase production. Not necessarily. Like it made more sense for me to increase the amount of machines running than the, to get one machine that was bigger at the moment. So now I'm at the place where I can get two big machines. So now I have three smaller needles like smaller multi-needle and then two bigger multi-needle machines i have five in total is the goal by the end of next year so what having that will increase the ability for me to do more complex designs because the machine i have now is 10 needles the bigger machine is 15 so that means more colors more options and the hoop size goes up to like 20 inches which if you don't know that's humongous (laughs) i have 20 I have never, what are you going to hoop? A car? Like, <laughs> this is just car mat with that. They do car mat. Oh my but word. It just gives me the ability to like, say I'm doing a set of patches. Yes. So the hoop I have now, maybe the mats I could fit on 10 patches, then I could fit 20, you know, double the amount. So that same amount of time it would take me to do that 10 or 20, I could put on that one hoop rather than rehooping and Faster production, just being able to do things a little bit faster. Um, I I appreciate the people that work with me because I'm not I'm not so I'm not slow, but I'm not the fastest. But they appreciate the work and the detail that I put in that they're willing to wait that extra, you know, week to get something from me rather than going to another overseas or going somewhere else. So being able to keep up, and I, ain't, well, I ain't keeping up with them, but to keep up with the yes. demand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're not better. trying to be like the Walmart of embroidery, right? You're no. Not trying oh, to, no. 
Like get as much as you can, as fast as you can, because you are not a machine. You are a human person um, with a life and a family and, you know, other things. And so you aren't doing this every waking minute of your life. Hey, friends. Hey, what are you doing on Thursday around 3 p.m. or so? You got 30 minutes to hang out with Black Women Stitch? You got 60? If so, come through for 30-Minute Thursdays. Thursdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can chill with Black Women Stitch on Instagram Live or talk with us through the two-way audio on Clubhouse at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Thursdays for 30 minutes. Come hang out, chill, and have fun with us. See you Thursday. Oh, no. I, I had to learn that this year as well. Like, the pandemic has taught me to slow down. I lost my aunt to COVID. I, oh. you know, I had a friend that was almost, you know, passed from COVID. He's also an embroiderer. Oh. So that was very hard, you know, hard for us and our group to watch yeah. her go through that. But I even shut down for the rest of the year. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not taking orders for the top of the year. I'm sorry, guys, but I need to make sure I spend time with family. That's right. You know, took off for Thanksgiving. I'm taking off for Christmas and New Year's just to make sure, like, I take time because your rush is not my rush. Yes, your rush is not my rush. I absolutely love that. Like, look, you know what? I've been here the whole time. <laughs> and and you just came up with this idea. And so I, I cannot execute it for you, um, but maybe you can find somebody else who's willing to drop all their plans. Um, <laughs> I do give resources, so if I can't do it, I'm not the person who's like, no, nah, and then like, don't respond. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do, but here are like five other people that I know that may be able to help you, to help you. just so it doesn't feel like I'm just burning, <laughs> just burning you and saying, no, nah, I can't yeah, help you. No, you can't have it, not from me and not from nobody, ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I appreciate too, Destiny, is the kind of the cooperation that you're talking about, right? That you have a group of embroiderers, you have a group of friends um, that you all are in this business or in the same industry, but you're able to support each other, right? So if you can't do something for whatever reason, you could say, hey, here's four or five other people, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that there's other that there's some folks who wouldn't do that. There's some folks who would not refer anybody. Can you talk a bit about your philosophy about, is there a philosophy that um, that guides you in the decisions you make about your work and how you share information or how you recommend, um, you know, your peers or whatever? Um, well, one of well, well, in that situation, I have a couple of months. I have a couple of mantras I live by, but in that situation, I very I internalize what's for me is for me because I mean I can't. I can't change what, what's going to happen, whether it happens or not, is what, that's what's supposed to happen. And then I don't hoard information. So that's not more like a, a mantra, but that's something that I make sure I do the total opposite of what it was like to get into this because it's so, it was so hard to get help yeah. that I don't, you know, I'm now in the sense that people can abuse your help. You know, they abuse you, but I still try to provide that resource. I'm like, if someone asks me, oh, where'd you get that sweatshirt? I'm sending you three websites. Because you come out better than me sending you all these vendors than us exchanging all this information because I don't even want to give you this website. Right. Because that doesn't take away from what I do. Because yeah. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You're going to do what you're going to do. So yeah. here's three vendors. Here's this. Here's that. 
And most of the time, I you know, you won't even get back from them because that's all they really needed. They just needed yes. someone to lead them in the right direction. Even with yes. my clients, I tell them, like, if I can't do this, this is where you can go. Or if you want to do this yourself, because say they're on a tight budget, because I do work with a lot of small and upcoming businesses. I'm like, if this is can't fit your budget, because unfortunately my price is not going to change. Right. Here's how you do it yourself. Here's the steps to take it yourself. Then you can make that decision if you want to make that investment into you or you want to help me help you. And then right. you can still see it and be like, hey, I can do this myself just like how I did. I saw the patch and like, hey, I can do yes. this myself. I, I want to try this. Then here you go. Here's the, comp- here's the machine companies you should look into. This is where you get supplies because it, it doesn't take away from what I'm going to do for the next person. That's right. No, I I think that's so wonderful because as you were saying about the plug and play nature of it, it's not plug and play. I think that, I think some of the things that people seem to miss is that embroidery is very complicated. Yes, it's done by a machine, but it's a machine you have to, the machine, it's not, it's not witchcraft. It's not like Harry Potter. You can just say, make a patch. And then like walk away and you come back and the patch is sitting there, right? There's so many elements that go into it. Needles, needle size, shape, brand, thread. I wish I could show you this. I wish I could show you my tech right now. My machine looks like a, a auto bot or a Decepticon, like a transformer because he took off everything just to find the problem because it's stitching weird. Um but just learning that, I had to learn. I'm changing boards. I'm connecting wires because, like I said, like you said, if something goes wrong, you have to know how to fix it for the most part because even if the machine company has tech support, you're on the phone with them and they're telling you what to do. Plug this in, unplug that. So you have to have some type of technical knowledge just off the strength of it. They, they're not here to do it by hand. And then you have a technician, but then. You know, you got to pay him so you don't have the, <laughs> so you got to pay yes. him for his time and his expertise. So it's yes. a lot. You know, that is, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that, Destiny, because I wasn't even thinking at all about the machine itself as a tool that needed maintenance and that it needed mm-hmm. regular inspections that you, I was thinking just holding a patch in your hand that has good tension that's mm-hmm. not that's very densely stitched but also looks good and lies flat there's so much that goes with just putting the stabilizer in the hoop and then the cutaway and the scissors and the thread jumping and not to mention the digitizing if that's something oh. like it's just it's incredibly complicated and i was just thinking the other day i was like you know what i wish i wish that there was a sewing machine maintenance training program for Black women. Ooh, that'd be good. Because in the classes that I want to provide next year, I want to be able to do a little bit more of like, okay, yeah, you can come and learn this, but if something goes wrong, this is what you do. You know, because most machines, even if they're they're made by different companies, the, the support is relatively the same. So your thread is keep breaking and it's most likely the needle or the tension. Yeah. If it burns nest, then it's something in the bobbin case. So those are things yes. that go hand in hand, but I do have a lot of people reach out to me saying they have the same machine as I do. So they want to come learn in person because like I said, everybody's, you know, everybody's suffering from COVID. So they don't have as many tech support. So wow. you still need to know how to do it 
yourself. Now, if it comes too crazy, then I'm like, hey, I got this guy named Sun Moon who's going to help you. That's right, <laughs> yes. At least you have access to that. Like You have access to expert support. But I was just thinking, I said, you know, every everyone I've ever taken my machine to to be fixed mm-hmm. is a man. Mm-hmm. It's even like the sewing machine man, the sewing machine repair man. I've been sewing for almost 25 years, and I have never opened up the top part of my sewing machine. I've never taken mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I open the bottom up and clean it out and take out the bobbin case and dust and do all that. But I don't know how to engage, how to like, if I were to look at it and say, oh, something's wrong here. I need to open this hood up and look and see. I have never done that. And That's funny because I'm thinking about the quilt. <laughs> the quilt stores, they're all men. They're all older white men at that. Yes. And so how do we get in these kinds of courses? How do we contact, you know, because I know every company um, protects their tech, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, I don't know how one would even be trained in learning how to do, you know, to adjust a 10 needle Melco machine or, mm-hmm. you know, or how do you fix an, an industrial Juki or how do you mm-hmm. do, a comp- I have a computerized baby lock single needle. Like, yeah. I have no idea. And the machine was so expensive, I certainly don't want to mess it up, you know? And so i that's the thing. I, I find myself, whenever I feel like I have a spot around a fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I think people are like, oh, I'm so afraid of buttonholes. And I'm like, bitch, what is a buttonhole? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you afraid? What do you mean you're afraid of a buttonhole? I'm afraid of a buttonhole. I'm afraid to do zippers. Zippers? What are you afraid oh, of? Doggone zippers. Add me, add me to the zipper train because that was not listen. my thing. There is nothing in sewing to be afraid of. And whenever anybody says something, oh, I'm afraid of, what, how? It's it's not going to bite you. I mean, the worst thing it is, is that your, your zipper looks ugly and you break a needle. Like, it's not going to kill you. You're not going to end up in the hospital. There's nothing to fear. <laughs> Except for myself and me and the thought of opening up that sewing machine just feels like, I might as well just throw it out the window then. Like it, yeah, so it makes we need to go. We need to, we need to go bomb rush one of those places and be like, teach me. Because I think they do. I think that's the funny thing. I don't think nobody's ever asked. I feel like if I go to the quilt store up the was up, up the street, we have a show uh, machine dot com. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know that website. Yeah. They have that. They have their Atlanta hub here. So I feel like if I go up there and I'm like, hey, I don't know, the, I don't know the older white guys, but I see them all the time. I'm like, hey, can I learn? Do you t- guys teach like tech support? I feel like they will because they host us for everything else. But I don't think nobody's asked. I think I, I I wonder, I wonder, because one of the things you said struck me. You said, I don't hoard information. Mm-hmm. I don't hoard knowledge. And sometimes I wonder if the reason that it's always the sewing machine repair man is because there's mm-hmm. something in the industry itself that it's keeping that knowledge, the province of men. Mm. Either a cultural assumption that men are better at this, which is, you know, just crap. It's, it's just a stereotype. It's funny because they don't sew clothes. So why would you, how did you become the, the listen, gatekeeper? Listen, why do, why do we have so many male gynecologists? Why men have <laughs> gynecology? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm serious. You know this is true, right? Yes, yes. And they used to do it on um, slaves. On the, women the, without anesthesia, mm-hmm. by the way. Without, you know, like, yeah, because you know, they thought we had higher. 
pain tolerance, and also because they just don't give a shit. But the the but you see what I'm saying? Like these things, you know, people are like, oh, keep politics out of sewing, keep whatever. All this stuff is already here. And just because people want to put their eyes and ears, close their eyes and ears because they don't want to deal with anything that makes them think too hard. Um, we really do. Ha- what is going to happen if like, you know, if, if all the sewing machine repair people are in their 80s or in their, or in their system, <laughs> right? They are though. <laughs> Who is going to fix your sewing machine when they aren't there to do it? Right. That's what, funny because I'm like, they, they are all that age. Like they're all, you know, getting up. Like, who are y'all sharing this information with? You gotta pass it down. You tell unless you're not passing that's crazy. You gotta be passing it down. But who are you but pass do it down you, to? Right? Because you know, but as you know, there's some folks who they wanna keep it like, well, if I tell you, then you won't need me. And mm. therefore, you know what I'm saying? It's just I don't know. It's just something to think about as we as we move into um, we're recording this now, y'all, in 2021, toward the in December 2021. The episode will be out in 2022. Um, But it does make me wonder, like, what is the future of sewing machine repair and how can we put it into the hands of at least for me, it's black women like to be able to know how to do these things to support our own interests and anything that helps us get us closer to independence and liberation and self-reliance and all of that is all stuff I'm like, yay, yes, let's, right? I think that goes back to like what you were saying about not being afraid. So you not being afraid, like I will bust down my embroidery machine. I don't know what I'm looking at, but I'll bust it down. And I, if I don't know, I'll, you know, I'll call text or I'll, you know, text my friend's son Moon and be like, hey, what's this? Why is it doing this? Yes. You know, if I have to pay him to come out, I'm still watching him. So yes. even though I'm working, I watch what he's doing to at least, up, you know, learn something just to make sure that I'm not naive, but you got to open it. So now that's your challenge is to bust it open just to look listen, inside listen, and close it back up. Listen, young sis, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not doing it. I am not. It's no different. You don't even look, open up like you open up the hood of your car. You may not know what you're looking at, but you at least I, yeah, know. I, I, I know I can close the trunk hood back though. The um yes. the, 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 the the um the hood of the car. The car. I can close. I can I can open it and I can shut it up again. I don't know how to open this. I think there's a special screwdriver that is patented mm. in order to get into my machine. Oh like, wow! I don't think I could even find a a hex driver or whatever. But that's okay because I'm just going to admit that that is something that I have some hesitation around and it is a spot that I need to interrogate and think through, you know, and I, All right, I send me the machine. I'm going to I'm going to find it and buy you this screwdriver for Christmas. <laughs> it's going to be in there. Like open the machine. My spouse is going to come down and they're going to say, why are you down here crying? I met this lady on the internet and she told me to open my machine and now it's broke. You just open it and close it gently. You ain't got to touch nothing. You just open it. You got to look at it. When I sign up it. for my training course, <laughs> that is when I will do it. That is, yes. the, that is well, that's the way for me to get past my fear. Is to take a course. So so that take I a course. Gotta, I just got to find out who's offering them these courses and how to get in on one. That's all. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to think about some of the consulting that you offer. So just as we've been having this great conversation and I can see that you have so much skill and expertise in addition to creative vision, what kind of things do you offer folks 
um, to kind of, you know, in terms of the things that you do for your one-on-one consulting that can help people feel more confident in this. You know, maybe after listening to this conversation, people might be really excited to do this. And then on the other hand, they might be, wait a minute, 10 needles. And what now? I just don't know if I can deal with 10 needles moving at one time. How do you help people get over their hesitation? Um, I just give them a place to start. So if you have any reservations about whatever machine you have, or if you don't even have a machine, kind of giving you a place to start. Like like you mentioned before, knowing what you're doing and getting the machine that overcompensates your current needs. Because like we have, we can say, you, you, you're going to shortchange yourself. So if you're saying, oh, I want to do baby items, I'm not, I'm not going to even recommend you to get a single needle. I'm gonna, like, if, you, if that's in your budget, yes, I'm like, prepare yourself to upgrade to either, it don't have to be super big. It can be a baby loss. It can be even, you know, a, um, a brother multi-needle, but something where you can up load and unload fast and stitch quicker and stitch better, like bigger designs. So that's always what I'm thinking. It's like we shortchange ourselves and our abilities. Yeah. And I've done that yeah. <laughs> a lot. Now I'm not. I'm open, I'm trying new things, things I haven't even done before. I'm very good on to take on something that I'm like, oh yeah, you do that? No. And my mind, I'm like, no, I don't do that. But yeah, I do it because I'm yes. a learn. <laughs> yes, yes. The answer is yes. I've done this. Yes. Therefore, I can also do that. Yes, I've done that, so I know I'm, I don't have an issue learning how to do this. So, um, with the consulting, I just give them that starting spot and provide, of course, provide vendors and supplies and things of that nature. But that's also a bigger, you know, big issue. Most people, like I said before, don't have a, don't know where to start. They have this idea, but they don't know where to start. And with um. We'll see how COVID with the, you know, what is it, the Omarion, the Omicron, one oh, of Omicron. these. Omarion. Let's call it Omarion. I like that better. So that's what Black Twitter says. So I'm gonna that's, yeah, I, so, like so, I like it. I like it. I'm with it. So with that, we'll see, but I wanted to bring stuff in person because I do, I'm a hands-on person. Yes. So I would feel like that would help a lot of people get started. They can see it in action. And like you yeah. said, it's not a plug-in place when you see it. I'll open up the side to be like this this wire is this, so this is this. And that helps a lot of people just knowing that at the end of the day, you can always reach back to ask me a question. And of course I can direct you to an answer. I I really appreciate that. I think that that is, I really appreciate that you way to kind of committing to the hands-on because you know, that kind of helps you, but also that you're willing to take phone calls. And if people wanted to ask Converse, you can, you might do, you can also do the online or just mm-hmm. a discussion with you, which also I think is really generous. I wanted to talk just before we, I know we, this is not, hopefully we'll get you to talk again as we move <laughs> on to 2022. But I was thinking about the 10 needle machine mm-hmm. and it just seems like 10 needles. That is so- it's not a lot. It just lot. feels like a lot. Like I look at it and I've seen them and I'm like, they say this is a sewing machine. It's a machine that does sew things and it stitches things and it, <laughs> but it just also looks kind of like a piano and also kind of <laughs> like a, you know, I, I, you know, one of those old timey machines that you could put your eyes up to and look into the, you know, distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way you approach it, it has these little arms. It's just, it's also it's intimidating. Like, what's that? I say it can be intimidating. It, 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 it just looks like a lot of machines. Um, what what advice would you give someone who wants to just 
just to say, okay, is there a, a middle distance between like a 10 needle mm. and a four and a five? Or if you're like, you know, if you're going to do multi-needle, um, don't bother with a four. Just go ahead and get as, as much as you can get right now to start. Um, I think that goes back to what, what, are you, what are you looking to do? So I know, well, I actually had a client I did a consultation with and I was telling her if she wants to do baby items, that is that could be all she does because that is a good business. Yes, like yes. people are always having babies. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And they need blankets and onesies and all sorts of things that people like to have personalized. It's great. Yeah. And then most of and but in that space you don't have a lot of colors. It's usually pink, blue, shades of pink and blue, green and orange, shades of green and orange. So you're not really changing. Whereas I get a patch, it may have 30 colors. And I'll be like, all right, we got to reduce that down <laughs> to this. Yes. There's a, you know, people have different things with their logos. But baby stuff is very, it's usually very simplistic. Yes. So you don't have to get a 10 needle. You can start off with a, I think they have what, a five, or a six needle, a six needle machine. Okay. So you can do a six needle baby lock brother. And a good thing about have, starting there is most of the time when you upgrade the, technology doesn't change. It's just the needle increases. So when I was switching brother machines, the technology wasn't changing. I was just getting bigger hoops. I see. And, and I, I wanted to get a brother multi-needle, but it just came out better financing-wise to go with a different company. But starting with brother, going to this machine, I was like, oh, I can see how it's similarity. Yes, I understand. Okay, and so tell me also, like, I know that there's a big thing with software, that software mm-hmm. is another, like, big thing like y'all I mean this is not like you know you take a sewing pattern you read it three times and then you sit down and you start sewing this you have to also like get in front of the computer and look at your design and make sure it's sized Mm -hmm. the right way and make sure like all of the gaps are closed and the (laughs) understanding and the all of the things that have to be it's like it's a very it's I think a patch is a combination of creativity and engineering Mm-hmm. Right. It's it has to be well structured and balanced so that like, you know, at least from my experience working with my single needle, um, which is a combo embroidery and sewing machine, like if the design is too dense, it like it just feel like it's just stabbing a hole into the thing yeah. I'm trying to make, you know? And so the software, there's so many moving parts that I think it's just really generous of you to ha- add through as, as a consultant, in addition to someone who's willing to say, hey, I'm, I can't do it. Why don't you ask this person instead? I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, because with the, with the digitizing, so most of the digitizing that I have, I don't do myself. I have a digitizer for that because business-wise, it just takes a, like you can literally make a business just digitizing. There's a couple yes. of black women who are trying to be proficient in digitizing. I told them they need to hurry up <laughs> because <laughs> we can give our money, we can give our money back to you know to yes. them. But yes. but because it's such a, it's one of those things like even if you don't do it, you still need to know. So I know how I want my stuff to look like. So when I reach out to my digitizer, I'm like, okay, adjust the can we adjust the tension on this? Can we um, take this out, make this applique, and then only do the border. Make sure you still have to know what you're looking for, but it's totally something you don't have to do on your own because there are so many people. And and it is a trial and error too. 
So it's okay to get something from one digitizer and not like it. Right. You can go to another one and they will most likely do what you like. Yes, yes. My goodness, Destiny, this has been Mm -hmm. such a great conversation. I'm going to ask you one last question I've been asking folks lately. The slogan for the Stitch Please podcast is that we help you get your stitch together. Now, if I asked you for advice, what advice would you give someone listening to the podcast who's interested in what you are doing? How would you tell them, what what would you say to them to help them get their stitch together? It's okay to make mistakes. And it's okay to like, to not have it all <laughs> together the first time. I think when I'm in that session, I go in the embroidery group, a lot of people are upset because they've done it four or 500 times and it's not working all we, we all a lot of us be like okay take a step back go from start to finish and you know see see where we can help you because it is okay to have five hats most of all five hats yes. the best thing that the best thing i learned is how to fix my mistakes and make content out of it so i do post videos of like hey y'all messed up this shirt watch how i fix it yes because it, because it also shows that that person, that consumer, like that. Okay, Destiny gonna mess mess it up, but most likely she gonna fix it. And then she right. is showing them that everything is not gonna be glamorous and perfect every time I post it. Most of the time, if I posted something, well, at this point, I'm like a 95 percent good on the first try. Nice. So five percent, those five percent gonna be in my stories because it disappears in 24 hours, so you ain't gonna see it later. But I'll show it to you in the story. Oh, that is so perfect. That is so perfect. Thank you so much, Destiny Brewer, for being with us today. We have been talking with a house called Hugh, um, and I'll be sure to put all her links in the socials, and we will keep an eye out for more great, great work coming out from a house called Hugh. Thank you so much, Destiny. Thank you so much, Ms. Lisa, for having me. Yay! This was fantastic. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really, really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts Um, directories or services allow for reviews. But for those who do, for those that have like a star rating or just ask for a few comments, if you could share those comments and say nice things about us, the Stitch Please podcast, that is incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together.